WPSC, the only number one college radio station. What is the, there's, if there's one, there's only one. So the number one college radio station in America, the only number one college radio station in America. There is no tie. There is one and that is it. And that is this WPSC Brave New Radio. And of course, you're going to listen to this on the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, and we're talking about Music Biz 101 and more. I am your professor, David Kirk Philp, along with your professor, Dr. Esteban. That is he, who he is, who I am, what we do. Here we are. Very excited about it. We're here today. Hey. Last day yes. of Nashville, Tennessee. God, who would know? Yes. And when I say the last day of Nashville, Tennessee, that doesn't mean the aliens come down and destroy Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, I don't want people to take that literally. We are down this building, though. Yes, we are in the convention center, thanks to Music Biz, and it right. may not be here next year. That's, oh, I don't know if it's next year, but yes, they're knocking it down, and uh, things will be moved over to the Music City Center. Right. It looks like a guitar. Right. From an airplane. <laughs> Right, so uh, make sure uh, when you do your flyovers of Nashville yes. listeners, look down and that's Music City Center. Just like Shermerhorn Hall, if you notice those piano keys, do you notice that on the Wh- side of the building? Which, which yes. hall is that, the what? Shermerhorn, where the symphony plays? Yes, yeah. And do you notice that that thing, it's shaped as a G clef? Oh really, yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Really? From the air. From the air. Yes. You heard our friend Kaylin Green, who is today's uh, guest, said, really? Did that sound like you when I said really? A very a, the sensual tone. Yes. <laughs> he is our guest today, so we should give thanks to Kaylin Green. So here we go. Here we go. Thank you all so much for having me. I really appreciate it. He doesn't mean that. And then we also want to uh, give thanks to Madeline <laughs> Dean, who is the student who was able to rope Kaylin into lasso. coming here. Yeah, lasso since we're here in the South poor and it's, it's horse country. <laughs> poor fella, poor you. Yeah. So Madeline Dean. Madeline yes. Dean. Of the Jimmy Dean sausage family, right? Yeah, yes. so you're, right. You're, you're wealthy. You don't need to do any no, of this. This no, is all fun for you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Lucky Thank you. you. So um, we want to remind you: go to musicbiz101wp.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Read our stuff. Get our stuff. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and the Facebook at musicbiz101wp. We mentioned earlier, musicbiz101 and more can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud, and it will be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. How about that? Yes. Thanks again, Music Business Association, for giving us the space here in Nashville, Tennessee. We want to thank the folks at Van Dyne, Bruno, Inc. and White Hat Management mm-hmm. with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, Kiss, St. Vincent. There's only one place to go for your band or your solo career is business management. Go to VB cpa.com and we will get into the business management with Kaylin Green the uh, artist shortly not that you're short he's a <laughs> he's a very pleasant height boys and girls so don't be concerned that he's uh, vertically challenged that is not you you're challenged in other ways but uh, and then we want to thank our friend you ever heard of Rob Fusari you're a singer-songwriter I ever have, heard of, yes have you heard of Bootalicious I have actually yes. yeah okay our friend Rob Fusari wrote Bootalicious um, really? Paparazzi, yeah. which is another Italian oh, yeah. word because we know you're Italian, uh, Kaylin Verdi. Um, <laughs> he wrote Paparazzi with Lady Gaga yeah. oh my God, and produced incredible. that album to fame. Rob is an alum of our program. He's our good friend, and he donated money to us so that uh, students who are coming here could stay in the hotel. I'm pointing to Madeline. You didn't stay in the hotel. No. You did, uh, <laughs> take advantage of the Rob Fusari coin. Yeah. <laughs> That's street for money. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but Rob experience. Yeah, you have your own Jimmy Dean money, so you do not have to worry about this. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, we're, at the end of this, we're going to hear Rob's Don't Let Love Down. So thank you, Rob Fusari. Thank you, Aaron Van Dino Might. Yes. One reminder, because you are on this show, you get a free copy awesome. of Managing Your Band, 6th edition, meaning there are five previous editions, all obsolete. Hell this yeah. is the sixth and greatest, the best of. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Written Definitely. by, well, we haven't given it this. to you yet. Thank you. It's a future thanks. The future thanks. Yes. It's until, a pre-thanks. Until we do it, that's what it is. It's a pre-thanks. <laughs> that was pre-thanks. written by your Dr. Esteban Marconi. And 
you're Professor David Kirkville. But it's really a Marconi thing. So, uh, in fact, you could buy a copy if you wanted now. Hey, I might just have yeah. to do that. Can you guys autograph it for me? Uh, Marconi would. Could you guys, would you sign it for me if I did? Yes, and he right. will throw up on the last one. I, <laughs> <laughs> I will get sick on it, but I think that'll bring the value up for you. Well, I'm excited to read it for that sure. That is right. So, uh, listeners, go to Amazon.com right now and mm-hmm. buy that. So, enough of this tomfoolery. If only we could interview Tom Foolery, but we couldn't get him today, so no. instead we had to set our sights much lower. Executive board meeting. Ex- exactly. <laughs> so now we're with Kaylin Green. <laughs> yes. C-A-Y-L-Y-N-N. Uh, right? C-A-L-Y-N-N. No Y in the center, or in the middle. Oh, somebody could not afford that. <laughs> or somebody doesn't know how to type. Couldn't the affo- I couldn't oh, afford yeah. the extra letter. <laughs> right. My family couldn't afford it. C-A-L-Y-N-N. Yes, correct. Green. Yes. No E at the end of no green. E. Just like the So color. you couldn't afford the third E. Hey, I couldn't, I couldn't afford a lot of letters, apparently. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but okay. I'll keep it at green, just like the color. I like it. Okay. It's easy to spell, and it's, people know it. Okay. okay, and in high school, he lettered in spelling. So, Madeline Dean, stop it. Take it away. Make us rock. <laughs> All right, guys. So, Kalen uh, Green, uh, he's a singer-songwriter in Nashville. Um, he just got off the road. He was on Billy Currington's Stay Up to the Sun tour. And he was actually on his tour last year as well. What was that called again? Uh, the Summer Forever Tour. Summer Forever yeah. Tour. So uh, he's got a blossoming career happening. We just want to ask him a few questions. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I guess I'll start with, when was it that you decided to start pursuing music as a career? You know, honestly, I, I grew up listening to it. And this is a, a really interesting thing <laughs> that I tell people. Um, I, I grew up wanting to play baseball. I grew up wanting to play sports. I didn't really pay much attention to music. I grew up obviously listening to like R&B. I grew up listening to the Foo Fighters and, and, and country music, of course, but I never really thought that I would get into it. Are you it, from here? I'm not originally. So I'm originally from a small, it's a, it's a small town in small uh, South Alabama called Dothan. Mm. Uh, I grew up in Dothan for about 18 years and I moved up here in 2012. And uh, a little little thing about Dothan is kind of, you know, as far as music, there's not much there for it. It's more so sports or you go to college and then you move back and you find a job throughout the town. So for me, that was one of my plans. That was the main plan was to go to college, pursue a career in baseball, hopefully go somewhere after college, maybe hopefully get into the minors, the pros or something. And then from there, see what would happen. But um, I would say right around 2011, uh, 2010, I played my first show ever. I met a couple kids that were in my grade and, and a couple of the guys that were older than me that were all in a band. And so they asked me to play at our school's talent show back in, I think it was 2011. And uh, I remember singing Wonderful Tonight by Eric Clapton. And that was my first show, first time anybody ever heard me. And from there, I think it just kind of started off. Like it something lit a fire in me that mm-hmm. I, I wanted to get into it. I wanted to start writing. Um, and right around that time too, there was a lot of new music coming out. I mean, Luke Bryan was just coming to the scene. You really had Jayco and your Eric Church. And for the first time ever, I was really hearing music that, it wasn't old traditional country music. It was, it was newer music. It, there was a lot of pop influences that were, that were being brought into it. And um, I remember my parents were just telling me, you should get into songwriting, try, try doing it, try, just give it a shot. And uh, I remember locking myself in my room for like three days straight and just hammering songs away. And, uh, and, and honestly, I think that's, that to me, I think, was the most important part of my life was that moment whenever music changed and my parents telling me, you know, you should get into it. You should just try doing it. And, and honestly, I, I don't really know what it was. Just something told me to try it. Just try doing it. See what would happen. And I uh, found a little niche and I found I, I started loving what I was doing. And um, I mean, fast forward now today, I mean, I, there's, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else, honestly. Like, I, I love it. I, I love writing. I write every single day, um, usually doubles. And then usually we're playing shows just about every week right now. So it's been good. But, what do you um, mean doubles? Uh, so we do double write. So I'll write in Who's the morning. We? Uh, well, usually it'll be me and then uh, one other guy or two other guys if we're doing a three-way. Um, and then we'll usually start around 11 o'clock, sometimes 10.30. They like to get up early. But um, some, usually in the morning, and then we'll do another one around – probably 4 5 o'clock depending on my day if I have meetings and stuff I'll uh, obviously I can't write but if I don't I'm usually in the studio working for the most mm. part now who is this because uh, you're signed to Warner Chapel I am right? yes so is Warner Chapel involved with setting oh, yeah. up these heavily meetings or okay for Explain sure sort of how that works here especially here in Nashville yeah absolutely so basically so, so a little backstory so I signed to Warner Chapel uh, almost almost three years ago um, 
originally signed with a guy named Blaine Rhodes, and at the time Ben or Ben Vaughn was uh, he was president. Steve Markland was still there at the time before he left to Downtown Music, and um, they kind of took me underneath their wing. And for about a whole year, without being signed to them, they were still booking rights for me. I mean, they were booking. I mean, slamming my calendar full of dates and, and rights and just making sure I was getting well-connected with the other people in the industry that were songwriters. Just, just, slow down. Just, just, oh. no, no, I mean, you're not talking too fast. Just I want to make sure people get this. Oh, so yes, yes. Here, um, so here, because Nashville is seems to be very different. Because yes. we had somebody last year, Katie Jellin from Secret Road uh, yeah. yes. Music, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, absolutely. Who, who, and she was telling us about, as a publisher, setting people yeah. up for this. So. Winter Chapel hasn't signed you yet at All this right, point. So they, I mean, now, at, I mean, now you have a network three haven't. years ago. Yes, right, correct. They have not, but they see something in you. Yes. So they say, let's support this guy and hook him up with other people. Let's see what comes out of it. And if we like the results, then we'll sign him. Is that kind of yeah, what was happening? Absolutely. And essentially what happens in this town is everything is, is all about development. You want to develop yourself. And people in the industry, if they find an artist, that's – especially in Nashville, that's the main focus is development. Making sure they have the songs, making sure they have the chops, making sure, I mean, they're just, they're well-rounded and ready to go when the time is right. And so in the meantime, for me, I, I wasn't signed yet, but they were booking rights for me constantly. Um, rights meaning, again, uh, these meetings. Uh, co-rights. Right? Uh, yeah. yeah. I keep thinking so, R-I-G-H-T. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. Sorry, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. So, so other co-rights and um, just other meetings and making sure I was just in the right rooms with the right people. Mm-hmm. And, Who are these people? Again, um, so I just no, really no, no, want no. to go really Absolutely. deep so people Absolutely. get so, uh, meetings with other songwriters or meetings with Usually other, with other songwriters. Right? Sometimes they get me in the rooms with other publishers just so I could just get familiar with their faces, getting just getting familiar with the other writers at the other mm-hmm. companies. Um, Somebody that was actually really, really influential for me at the beginning of my career was a guy named Josh Van Valkenburg. And Josh is, I, I, I cannot remember his exact position, but he obviously a high, high up in the, the Sony ATV realm. So he works over at Sony ATV. Uh-huh. And at the time while I was working with Warner Chapel, he was booking me tons of rights and essentially was one of the earlier people that introduced me to other songwriters within Warner Chapel, within Sony, Universal, I mean, you name it. And, um, you know, I, I really have Josh to thank for all of that. And and there's another guy, too, named Blaine Rhodes. And so Blaine was my A&R. And um, Blaine originally signed me over to Warner Chapel uh, going into 2014-15. So it was about a year of doing these About a year of development. Yeah, about okay. a year of development. And honestly, it's... It's a relationship, and that's the biggest thing, is being a songwriter in this town, you have to develop a relationship with everybody, and that's, first and foremost, obviously, your company that you're signing to. And um, and with it being a relationship, they want to make sure that you are the right person for them, you're the right person, the right fit. I mean, six and seven months down the road, they want to make sure that you're still good to go, you're still killing songs, and, and you're writing good things. And so that's the biggest part about it in this town, is they, they really like to make sure, but... It's a fun, creative process. They're constantly developing with you. They're, like I said, making sure that you're being set up to the best of your ability for whenever it's time to actually go, if you're an artist. Um, and as well for me, that was my biggest thing. Uh, another guy named Travis Carter came on board with Warner Chapel uh, in the spring of 2015. And I met him, and he ended up becoming my A&R once Blaine Rhodes left to Universal Music. So Blaine ended up getting a job to work as an A&R with Universal Records. And uh, Travis took over my entire calendar. But at the time, they were both already conjoined, uh, basically running the calendar together. And um, and that's that's kind of what happens as far as in the publishing world is they uh, they develop you and they want to get you in the right rights so that if you're an artist like myself, eventually it'll lead up to wanting to write with bigger writers, big, bigger people that have more hits, guys who, who are in the industry, obviously, for the accolades that they have. Universal number ones like Ashley Gorley, like your, I mean, Red Akins, um, Ben Hayslip, Chris DiStefano's, any of those guys. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's the other thing, too, is that's your ultimate goal is to write with those guys, but it takes a lot of time. It's a lot of development, and sometimes it takes years, and sometimes it takes months. But um, And that's kind of what publishing does is they they really they fight so that you get in those rooms one day with them and that mm-hmm. you're, you're making as many hits as they are. And that's, that's kind of what it is for the most part. And, um, and for me as an artist, too, they, uh, they've always been there with me every step of the way. They go into most meetings. They go into, like, label meetings. They'll go into shows. I mean, they're, they're really, like, they're there with you every step of the way. So when you have a, a, a writing session <laughs> set up, they're assuming you guys are going. Like oh, yeah. the, the, the rep isn't going and sitting in the room. Oh, yeah. So essentially, yeah. I mean, it's, it's actually really interesting <clears throat> because I, I do a lot of work in L.A. in the pop world, and 
it's really cool getting to see the different times of like times that you work. I mean, in, in LA, I usually don't work any time before one o'clock. Like usually it's one to three o'clock, and sometimes you write till nine and ten a.m. the next morning. Where here, it's usually on a time schedule. You're on like eleven o'clock to five, and you finish, and then you go and you demo, and you have the stuff done, so and cool. it's very interesting. Right. I mean, it is because it's such a creative process, yet it's so structured. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean. 11 to 5, and, and there must be days where you don't get anywhere. Oh, for sure. I mean, there, and there's always there's always days where, you know, you might not get something. And I think that's what's really cool, too, is going back to the relationship part in this town is even if you don't get something, sometimes the hang is the most important thing, yeah, just the chemistry with that person. Yeah. Honestly, I, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing is I can't tell you how many times I've, I've walked out of rooms with people that we wrote – I mean the most god awful song, and then we come back two months later and we write something that we ended up cutting for the record. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's crazy. You, you just never know, and and that's the biggest thing. It's a relationship, essentially. Yeah. With and with it being a structure that it is, um, it's kind of like a blind date. You just mm -hmm. you go in there sometimes. You have no idea who you're meeting. You have no idea who you're about to write, what you're about to write, who you're about to write with, and you spend about an hour to two hours getting to know them prior to mm -hmm. writing something and pouring your heart out. So it's, do you have like? Uh, I've always thought of this, like, you know, used to say this about Stevie Wonder to the class, that he has, like, drawers in, in his bureau, and he's got a drawer full of hooks he's never used. He's got a drawer <laughs> oh, full that's of, incredible. Of, of, uh, of verses, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Oh, yeah. He's got all these things, so one day they can't get anywhere, so, yeah. you know, well, we're fine. But I mean, closing your eyes. Pulls out, pulls out three yeah. things, and there, there comes superstition Absolutely. or whatever, you know. What's how Letty McCartney so did it? No, I was just saying, so you do... Yeah. Do you like keep, you know, um, even, for, even verbal hooks? I mean, oh, I do. Lyric, uh, so usually, for me, I'm more of a melodic top liner. I, I obviously do do a lot of lyric, but for me, I have just in this phone right here, I have hundreds and hundreds of memos of just mm -hmm. little melodies, either little guitar riffs, piano riffs, little sounds where I'm making with my thumbs or my finger, anything. Mm -hmm. um, How do you keep track? So, do you create files underneath each or so, title them? They're all just record. So this is actually my. I just updated my phone, so I have less recordings right now. And usually they're all named. But you see right there, like Guitar Idea One. Some will be like Miami Idea. So I'm actually going to Miami next week for a writer's retreat, and um, I spend about a week just coming up with ideas. And so oh, I really? usually title okay. them like that. Can I take a picture of you. Yeah, that? absolutely. This is great radio when I uh, do this. Yeah, absolutely. Listeners, I just took a picture of what his ideas look like. <laughs> We're not stealing anything because guitar idea is very hard to steal guitar just, idea. It's like guitar idea, three minutes, 20 <laughs> seconds. And sometimes yeah. it'll be like, it'll be idea 146 and it'll be 45 minutes long where I'm just, oh. I, I actually, which is really interesting. There's a song that we cut on our record. Uh, so we're in the process right now of cutting an EP. And under your name as an artist. Under my name, yes, okay. correct. Mm -hmm. And so in the process of cutting the EP, I actually, there's a memo, I think it's on my computer, it's not on my phone, but I took my phone and I put it on record and I got in the shower for like an hour and a half and I ran my water bill up so high. But in the meantime, <laughs> I came up with this idea that we ended up writing like two days later and ended up making it on the record. And it's possibly now up for a possible single for the record now. So it's, uh -huh. it's kind of crazy. And, and if you listen, you can hear the water running and I'm just in there just riffing random melodies and like uh -huh. saying random words that don't make sense. And I think it was like maybe like tw less than 24 hours later, we. We were able to turn it into a song. Yeah. So it's crazy. Like, you just never know where, and that's another thing is you're never going to know where you're going to feel something. You never know where you're going to be inspired to work. Like, sometimes it's, like I said, in the shower. Sometimes mm -hmm. you're in the park. Sometimes you're around something that inspires you. But I don't know. I think, I think that's, that's kind of how I've always done it, too, is I've just always carried my phone everywhere. And I've always mm -hmm. just, I've just recorded everything. I mean, in the car, whether I'm I'm at the movies, I've been on a date before and I've, I've done. That. I've been like, can you hold on one second? And I'm like, nah, nah, like have to sing into my right. phone for something. So, it's that's that, and that's usually how most people do it in this town anyway. I mean, if you look at if you talk to other songwriters, their phones are loaded with stuff like right. either song ideas or memos. But when I was on the road, I met um, a woman one time and had a date with Bob Dylan, and this was in the early '70s. So Bob Dylan was you know Dylan at that time. So I couldn't, she was a friend of mine, you know, in another city that we'd always yeah. fly to the loop and so on. So I said, well, what was he like? You know, what, you know, because we, in those days we figured, you know, that you have a date with Dylan and he doesn't even talk. I mean, it's just, right. you know. And she said, normal date, uh, movies, pizza, you know, normal thing. But he had a little piece of paper or like a little memo pad in those days and a pencil. And even while 
they'd be conversing. He, he, he shouldn't even know what he wrote, but he'd take out and he would write something in the, on the book and then put it back in his. So just exactly what yeah. you're saying, something came to him, like you said, excuse me, something came to him and he didn't, he didn't even have yeah. to, you know, just so common. Could have been whatever, I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy Watch too. Watchtower or whatever might have evolved. <laughs> you never know, yeah. yeah. yeah no. it's, it's also really crazy because I can't tell you how many times my computer's crashed or like my phone is just crapped out to where I've lost memos and stuff. And that's another thing too is- Do you I, back those up though? Like if you have something like Carbonite so or something on your- I am very bad because I don't back them up. Okay, stop right there. I need to. My next question then, and this, I'm learning something as, as we go, is mm -hmm. so do you have management? Because my thinking would be if I'm your manager, and you're just thinking ahead of this Maybe stuff or having this conversation, <laughs> I would be like, well, I got, I got to take care of that for you. So I got to make sure you're backing up your phone yeah. to iTunes. I got to make sure you're do, like regularly. Yeah. And if you're not doing it, I will do it for you. <laughs> yeah, so, so I do have management. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, as a songwriter and, and I think that's, as a songwriter, that's one of the biggest things that I learned was constantly coming up with ideas. And there was a story somebody told me once about Steven Tyler, and it was where he was in a, he was in a, uh, I think he was in a cab somewhere in New York, and he had a book that was full of different lyrical ideas, different song ideas. And he left it in the cab, and he, the cab took off, and he apparently never got it again. And he was, he was telling somebody what had happened, and they were like, oh my God, like, what are you gonna do? Like, do you have anything else saved? And he was like, no, he said, I, I come up with more ideas all the time. And I think that's kind of my approach, not my approach to it, but I, I have stuff saved all throughout my computer whenever I can. But as far as my phone, like if stuff disappears, usually I've just come up with something new for the most part. Because mm -hmm. that's another thing is because I have so many ideas in my phone, so much of it doesn't get used. And a lot of it just kind of gets buried. Or even that, you might find an idea like six months later. But I try to back it up as much as I can. I'm really bad at it, but my management does stay on me for it all the time. Uh -huh. Publishing especially. Publishing definitely mm -hmm. does. Publishing is another thing too because when you finish songs, this is actually a really funny thing, when you finish a song, you have to write the lyric down, put the date of creation, and put the writers on, figure out their PRO info and everything, and then you send it in to your publisher. Mm -hmm. Your publisher then runs it through the database and makes sure that, you know, for copyright purposes and everything. and. If you don't send that, they will bug you with it. Mm -hmm. I'm also really bad at not sending in sometimes like data creation or the lyric sheet, and I'll send in like the MP3 file, and they constantly get on to me for it. But I think that's also a songwriter thing. I was gonna say I'm sure you're not the only person. Oh, who, uh, I'm definitely not the worst. I've heard I've heard other ones in the company that are just they take like six or seven months, and they'll send like 50 demos in one night, and you have to you have to record all that stuff. And when I say record it, they put it on a piece of paper, they write on it and everything. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a uh, Still kind of old schoolish in, in that way, but I like it a lot. Right. It's, it's interesting. Madeline Dean is still here. I am, yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I fell asleep I for a minute. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I, so I wanted Sorry, to I ask you. Sorry, I No, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so I want to ask you if there was like a moment where everything started coming together and you felt like I made the right decision, like this is what I should be doing. Yeah, I would have to say, I would say there are two moments. And it was either, it was one when I met my manager, John Dennis, and the day that I met my A&R, whenever I met Blaine Rhodes over at Warner Chapel. Mm -hmm. Honestly, from, from when I met John, so to talk a little bit about that, so John Dennis is my manager. Um, I previously worked at Vector Management back in the day and um, decided to start his own company. He's managed, I think, people from like Dirk Bentley. He managed Trace. He manages Billy Currington right now. So he mm -hmm. has uh, me. He has Billy Currington. He has another artist named Logan Mize. Um, a new group named Avenue Beat, which is really new and up and coming. So be on the lookout for them. They're mm -hmm. super, mm -hmm. super talented girls. And um, John, that, that, that's been our, our biggest thing since day one, has been just making sure everything was going to happen or organically, making sure that we were gonna have the songs and, and we were gonna take our time. And I think meeting him in that first day that was with him saying that to me, I knew that it was the right choice with him and I knew that something really fun was about to start and was about to happen. Mm -hmm. And even in that next week, uh, John actually introduced me to the Warner Chapel guys. And so that's where I met Ben Vaughn and I met Blaine Rhodes. And when I met Blaine, honestly, like it, it just, we clicked right off the bat and mm -hmm. he became like another brother to me, even though he, 
obviously isn't at the same company anymore, but we still talk like every single day. And I think that was, at that moment when I met him, he, he had no reason to take me under his wing, had no reason to book me rights or anything. And uh, he saw something in me early and, and, and I have every bit of thanks to him, honestly. Like I, I, I owe everything to him. Was this before so. or after you did that, um, didn't you do that songwriting contest? So yes, so that was, to, wait, which one? one isn't that I thought that I read that you got like set up with Warner because you won that songwriting contest so 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 sort of uh it it kind of happened in an interesting way I I I played a songwriting competition back in 2012 when I first moved to town and the winner got to play a songwriters round with I think it was just basically another big hit songwriter uh throughout the music industry and I think so for my round it was a guy named Eric Dillon and another guy named uh, Brett James and so I got done playing that night. I hit Brett up about a week or so later, and he introduced me to the other workers at Corman Music. And so Corman is actually a joint ventureship with Warner Chapel, and um, kind of got my name seeped into the company that way as well, and, and as well just through John. John knew them very, very well and, and brought me in. And, but uh, it was really interesting because I, I played them a couple <laughs> songs, and one of the A&Rs in the room was like, I, I've heard this song somewhere. And I was like, yeah, I was like, uh, I was like, I, I just wrote it like not too long ago, so I don't know where you would have heard it. And he goes, where, uh, he was like, who who else like have you been playing shows? I said, well, I played something with Brett James. And they're like, oh yeah. I said, well, Brett sent us all your music. I was like, oh, oh well. Yeah. And I mean, I also have Brett to thank for that too, because like yeah. I said, Brett had no reason to do that at all. He had, you know, he didn't have to do that. So, mm-hmm. and that's that's a really big thing that I, I, I always say about this industry is people like, they like to help other people out. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what level you're on. If somebody somebody thinks you're promising and thinks that you have a good future in something, they're, they're gonna work their ass off for you. That's the biggest thing. And, and uh, you know, so it's it's interesting. I don't have just one person to really thank for it. I have a, a, a big team of people. And, and people that aren't necessarily in my inner core of, of teams. Uh, it's it's just people that I've worked with or people that I know that just feel like helping me out. So it's it's been really great. I, I have a lot of a lot of wonderful people to thank for that. Do you own your own publishing company? So I don't. Well, I sort of do. I have my own uh, entity throughout Warner Chapel. Um, right. But as of right now, I'm just a full signed uh, artist and songwriter through Warner Chapel. Okay. So the split is uh, there's the writer side and the publisher side, and it's a Basically, they get yes. they get all the publishing side. You get all the writers. Uh, side. There's no admin deal. It's not correct. Like, correct. Okay. So uh, once I start, if I was to start a joint ventureship with somebody, where, wherever and whoever that may be, um, uh, eventually that'll be an admin deal. It'll also then run through publishing as well. So, right. and and that's kind of like what uh, which is really interesting. Like Cobalt does that a lot with people. Mm-hmm. So right. I have a lot of friends that have their own companies and they run through Cobalt because Cobalt has been one of the best admin companies. I mean, at least that I've seen in a long time. And um, I, I, I can't tell you how many little ventures that they run and how many admin deals that they run with people. So that's that's another thing. I, I think once uh, once the joint ventureship does start, and that will be my hopes one day, um, kind of get all that stuff taken care of. Is your contract a uh, – what is the term of your contact with Warner Chapel? Like seven years, five so years? So my deal with them is a four-year contract. It's a, it's a four-year, four-period contract, and it's just a writer's – What's the difference between year and period? Uh, so basically, I just call it period. Um, oh. Uh, it, after every period, essentially, you're so you get a draw every month, and that's another thing that's, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so in LA and in the pop world, with your record deals, a lot of times you'll sign an MDRC, and that's uh, honestly, I am I have no clue. I I, <laughs> I've, I hear about it whenever they right. tell me about it, and it's a uh, so basically what it is though is when you sign when you sign your deal, they give you a large upfront advance, yeah, exactly. and, and that's basically your entire contract money. And then from there, in return, you also write, um, you have to write a certain amount of songs and have a certain amount of major label cuts by the end of that year. There's a lot of different loopholes and different ways that it works um, that I'm not too sure of. But in Nashville, they pay you with a draw system. And so by that, if you're doing, if, if you're doing 50,000, 60,000, whatever it is, instead of them paying you up front, they pay you in increments monthly. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I like the structure a lot more. It's it's also nice to know that you're having some sort of income coming in every month. Yeah, you're not working at McDonald's. It's nice, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. And um, but yeah, so that that's essentially what my deal entails with them. And we're I'm actually on option three right now. So we're about to go into period three, and then I'll have one more period after that, and then uh, kind of go into negotiations. And, okay. And seeing what'll happen after. 
So that's at the point where you could decide, okay, I'm going to form correct uh, green green screen saws oh, yeah. or something, green sleeves correct. or whatever. You know? And then you could go either to Cobalt oh, yeah. or you could say, you know, I'm going to go to Cobalt. Yep. They're only going to take a 15% admin fee. Um, and then Wardell Chapel will we'll come back to you and say, exactly. well, how about you just stick with us and we'll do the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, essentially what will happen is, you know, when it's over with, you can either re-sign with your company, you'll go back into negotiations, or you can go find somebody else. You're free to do whatever you would like. For me, I'm happy enough to say that Warner Chapel's been, uh, it's been a blessing. I've been blessed to be there, and the guys have been incredible. So I have no bad things to say about them, and they've That's been great. wonderful to me. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, I'm very interested to see what will happen in the next two years, especially just because you never know. You never know what will happen. And obviously, my hopes are to have my own company and, and to eventually sign my own writer and maybe sign my own producer and, and, and have those guys working on the team as well. Now, is your, I'm sorry. No, go, no, go ahead. Is your no, against future uh, royalties or future earnings, do you owe the drawer every month? Do you owe that to... Warner Chapel. I do. So it's yes. like an advance. Like yes, an advance. yes. So I'm just saying, if you were going to, if we take this further, not you, but if a person was then going to go to Cobalt at some point in time, but they owe, they owe Warner Chapel oh, a yeah. load of money, then either Cobalt and Warner are going to have to decide Correct. Yeah. how much Cobalt's going to pay for you or something's going to be worked out. It's crazy cool. business. It's crazy yeah. too, because and that's, I think that's a really interesting thing for me because I came into it at almost 16 years old, going into 17. So learning yeah, about it. So I really forgot to me. ask you that, but I was gonna say he's talking about. Look at him. How old were you when all that's <laughs> so, going on? So <laughs> I'm 22 now. I, I originally got into it. I moved up here around 17 years old, around yeah. around when I was 17, and then I met John around 18. Oh, okay. And then from 18 and on, it was right. straight just music business and sneaking into bars and, and networking. Yeah, yeah, all right. But I'll tell you what, that's – and that's another thing, too, is I think a really important thing in your career is having somebody that can teach you the business. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they – if you don't have somebody that can teach you it, I mean, it's – yeah, exactly. Somebody who's honest, somebody who's genuine, authentic. And that's every bit of what John is. And what's crazy is John – who has taught me all of this leading up to it. His brother is now my agent. So his brother's name is Mark Dennis. Um, so Mark is a, uh, he's an agent over at CAA. Um, their father actually started CAA Nashville. His name is Ron Baird. Um, and so I actually just met Mark for the, I met Mark a year ago and we took, even with him, we took our time going into everything, making sure even we had the right agent. Uh, we obviously looked at other candidates, looked at other people, pitched our music around. And um, I, I sat with Mark and, him and I just we hit it off like right off the bat but um you know it, that's that's the biggest thing is having people like them that can teach you things oh. people that are just way beyond your years I mean just as far as in the business and, and things that they'll know that you'll be I, I can't even begin to comprehend yeah but the, other, the, the other side of the coin is that the level you're at when you're talking CAA and you're talking Warner Chapel and the number of guys on Broadway right this second Mm -hmm. You know, they're trying to get a deal with Mel's. Oh, for sure. Mel's publishing, and you know what right. I mean? I mean, it's unbelievable that he, at that at this age, is talking CAA and Warner Chapel, where the songwriters in this town, oh, been absolutely. here 40 years, would give their right arm for Warner Chapel to let him walk through the front door. 100%. Right. You know. And that's, that's a big thing, man. You know, I, I moved to this town, and, man, I can't tell you how many nights I drove down Broadway. And just looked at people playing and looked at them and and i had a couple of friends that were playing at the time and man they would play from seven o'clock till 2 a.m and yeah. they're just like man that's that's rough it's mm -hmm. it's rough when you think about it and and that was the biggest part i think that was a big decision for me was seeing that and and, and learning you know and knowing that you have to pay your dues when you come to this town and, and that was one of the things i realized when i first moved to nashville and, and man i'll tell you what we we hit it hard. We really hit it hard, and we really worked our butts off. Mm -hmm. But that, uh, you know, that doesn't go without saying. I, I I'm, I'm very blessed and very, yeah, very are. lucky to exactly. be in the situation for sure. And, uh, yeah. you know, definitely uh, don't take it for granted, and, and constantly making sure that we're, you know, we're capitalizing on great opportunities. But that's a, uh, you know, that's, that's a big thing, man. Is, is, is the opportunity in this, in this town. You know, there's a lot of people that are coming here to do it. There's a lot of people that are constantly moving here. That, that are pursuing one dream, one opportunity to do it. So, right. it's, uh, it's I mean, the guy taking on checking a restaurant to 
the cab driver, they sure. all have something to do with Absolutely. music. All mm. of them. Oh, I can't tell you and how many. Here. I mean, just like in an Uber ride, and they're, you're talking <laughs> yeah. to them about music, and like, oh, well, I have this. Would you like to hear some stuff? I mean, yeah. peop, everybody. I, it seems like everybody does music here, and I love that. It's inspiring, and uh, I, I think that's another thing. Uh, another thing as well uh, that that I tell people is work with everybody. It doesn't matter if they're signed. It doesn't matter who they are. I mean, I was a nobody when I came to this town. I'm still a nobody, essentially. I mean, nobody knows who I am. I'm still a new writer in the town. Right. I'm an artist coming up. And and I, I remember when I didn't have my deal and the big writers and the big guys in town, the ones that wanted to take a chance with me. So that's that's my biggest thing to people, too, is just take chances with everybody that you mm -hmm. work with. When you go to these writer meetings, sessions, mm -hmm. um, are you going in knowing, okay, if it's three of us, we're gonna, if something comes out of this, we're splitting the song equally? Oh, yeah. You, Is that understate, unstated, oh, yeah. or are you guys, Warner Chapel's taking care of that? Uh, for Nashville, everything is split even. Yeah. Okay. In, in LA. You, yeah, I was gonna say, because then you go to well, LA. In LA, it's kind of interesting. Um, I've actually, I've only been in two sessions. I think I've only been in two sessions where the splits haven't been equal. And it was more so just because of production. I think the pro the producer wanted to get publishing royalties, so he got like twenty two point something percent. Did the producer do any writing, or that was just the producer? So he actually didn't. Well, he didn't do any writing. One of those, just yeah. just we sent him the track. He reproduced over the track and um, uh, basically took publishing. It's very interesting how that world works there mm -hmm. because here, like with our record, we just cut a uh, we just cut an EP with Jesse Frazier, and our <laughs> whole thing was. We had the songwriters that were on it. Jesse's obviously a songwriter, but Jesse wrote on the songs with me. And then had he been on just production, he would have been strictly just production. So it's cool. That's kind of how the town works here. But yeah, in LA, it's it's kind of like the Wild West. You, mm -hmm. you never know like what splits are gonna happen. And it's interesting too, because I've had cut, I've actually had a cut now in country, m more so just up in Canada, but I got to see the split where it was equal. And then I had a pop cut last year that I think one of my splits was like 15.9% or something mm -hmm. like I mean, it's crazy. Just And by the end of it, um, especially in the pop world, you work, you might work, or the track might end up having nine people on it, where yeah. you originally started with two or three. So it's really interesting. Yeah. And the structure is very different, obviously. And, uh, you know, they have their ways that they work out there, and we have our ways we work here. You do hip-hop, it doubles. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'll have 18 writers and 16 publishers. And the splits yeah. are everywhere. It's nuts. Yeah. It's it's a that that's the crazy part of the business and and you know that's that's another thing I say I'm I'm glad I have a team that's able to to look at all that stuff and help me but yeah you know for country music that's the the understood rule is yeah. you know it's all split even and you kind of go into a room and for the most part it's two people or three people in the room um, occasionally it's four but usually people don't like to oversaturate the writers in the room um, as far as like with creativity but. Um, yeah, I, I would say that. I, I I don't think I've seen it, at least here since I've been here, that's been off, like the splits have been off or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Usually they're all equal. But It's interesting when he said, and, and you said it too, um, what was your turning point? And you were talking about how the pop influence came into country. And yep. you said that was your thing. And it was a uh, little big town list yesterday morning. And she said, you know, we wanted to do something with Pharrell. Well, when would a country person mm -hmm. ever say yeah well they'd say who the hell is Pharrell you know except for what the hell was that song all summer two years ago happy, happy yeah. yeah oh yeah except for that kind of thing but we knew Pharrell for years out of Virginia Beach and and so on yeah. and so forth you know and it's just it's exactly what you're saying the country has changed and it's changed tremendously even though maybe us as outsiders you know still think the greatest thing about country is this song tells a story. Oh, 100%. Beginning, middle, and an end, you know. And, Absolutely. And so on, and you don't get that yeah. in pop, or you don't get that in hip-hop anymore. But it's more than that. It's country has made it so palatable for the rest of the country. Oh, 100%. By taking things that they want to take from the other worlds, but still remain, you know. It's really cool. You know, I, I think right now is a really, really interesting and in a really incredible time, honestly, because you're starting to see more pop writers moving to Nashville. Yeah. Pop writers, not even moving, they're just coming here to Nashville every other week. I can't tell you, like, for instance, two weeks ago, we just finished up a, a writer's retreat here in town with Rock Nation. Mm -hmm. So they flew down, I think there were, I think there were seven or eight different writers. I mean, these are guys that have had cuts with like Rihanna, they've had cuts with Drake, Jay-Z, mm -hmm. I mean, huge, massive blowout cuts with these guys and big singles. And 
they're coming here and you ask them like, so why, why are you interested to coming to write at Nashville? And I say, because you guys know how to tell stories. You guys know how to songwrite. He says, we have good melodies. We know how to do the production of things. Like our production yeah. is crazy. He says, but you guys have the craft of songwriting. And that's what's mm -hmm. really cool is, you know, I go out to LA and I, I started going out there two years ago to learn their craft and they come out here to Nashville to learn our craft. Mm -hmm. and, and what's really awesome is now what we've all been saying was going to happen is you're going to start seeing cuts. You're going to start seeing these people start working together on different projects. And you're finally now seeing singles on radio. You're seeing number ones. And, and mm -hmm. more people from L.A. are coming into the scene. And, and I think right. it's great. Um, it's also really cool and great how they've been bringing in their styles, but Nashville still keeps that authentic just country lyric, that mm -hmm. songwriting, mm -hmm. just that mentality is still behind it. Right. Like they, and it's really cool. They found a cool way to mesh it between both worlds, um, especially like your Sean Douglas's with like Die a Happy Man, for instance. Um, Ross Golan with Compass by Lady Antebellum. I mean, those are guys yeah. that have huge yeah. Bieber cuts and huge Maroon Five. But uh, do you, do you, does this happen in Nashville? Because we know it happens in New York and L.A. Is that a label will will contact twenty pop writers and bring them down for a weekend? Oh, for a camp, yeah. yeah. And they are writing a tune for. I won't Rihanna. say Bieber, but yep. for, for Rihanna, okay? Yeah. And then they sort of pick the best verse, so on and so forth. And of course, they're going to get maybe 10% writers, and she's going to get yep. 80 or 90, where she's not even there. They're going to send her a few of the demos that uh, that were done. Did they do that here? Um, you know, I don't... Not that I know of, or not so much. Mm. We're actually getting ready to do one for myself in the fall with uh, with Rock Nation again. They're going to fly down to write for the project. Mm -hmm. But more so, I think our, our way of doing that kind of camp-ish vibe is you'll go out on tour with the artists and you'll write with them there. So usually you'll go uh, and write on the bus with them, right. and they'll bring about four, maybe three or four different songwriters. Or if you do a writer's retreat, um, usually they'll bring like four different writers, maybe two or three different artists and so you kind of write geared around the, the artists that are there or sometimes you're just writing to write right. um, but specifically for it is that it's, it's cutthroat yeah in other words I'm against that guy oh 100% yeah. I, I have a friend that actually worked on one of the Rihanna camps last year and he was saying that she'll walk in and she kind of walks around the room and she looks and listens to everybody's demos here's what they're doing and then kind of disappears and they might pick a verse from a song they might pick All a right. chorus and they're like that's awesome yep let's finish that it's yeah. crazy. It's it's a crazy world. Like even, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but if you just listen like her story with diamonds, her her story on the single diamonds with Benny Blanco and mm -hmm. uh, and Sia, I think there's one other person maybe, but it, it's it's nuts. You you guys should really look up mm -hmm. that story. It's mm -hmm. just how fast they wrote the song versus they didn't even have a mix, <clears throat> like a, a final mix or anything. She heard the demo, flipped out about it. I mean they their turnaround rate was insane. So I mean it's 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 definitely a lot more cutthroat out there. Um, but I think within the next few years we're going to start seeing more of that writer camp like yeah. that. I think you'll see it but I think it's still just going to be structurally different here just because this town's also so small that everybody knows all the other songwriters yeah. and you know everybody so your yeah. reputation is very very important here so where it is kind of a, a game not a game but like it's a competition and you're, you're, you're duking it out with another writer in the room maybe just to get a cut mm -hmm. it's, it's still one of those things where it's just a big, it's a big like we're all in this together type thing. You know, you all want to get cuts, you all want to work. Of course, everybody wants to get their own single, but it's the structure here is just so interesting, man. Like, just you never know how you're gonna get a cut, and you never know like like for that, for instance, like that camp. Um, one person might get a cut from that with Rihanna, yeah, and yeah. nobody could get one, or you might get one verse could get cut. Where right. I think it's really interesting. I, I'd love to see that happen more here. I, I think it's cool. I think it expands the songwriting. Right. Right. Um, and it opens up opportunities to getting different ways of getting cuts, right. you know? But. Well, the, the idea that, you know, she would then take 70 or 80%, actually, um, we've asked this question, actually, to Rob Fasari, I've asked several times, and you know, in terrestrial radio, yep. the performer doesn't get a nickel for any spin. So if that law ever changed and there was a performance right, would then she not take 80%? Of yeah. the writers with the precedent so there, she, she would get money. Yeah, it's a good question. To keep it. And Fasari said, "No way. Yeah, it would never. It's never going to change." Yeah. So the you know the the stature of the artist, of yeah. course, is uh, the whole thing. If nobody listens to it, I don't know how great it, mm -hmm. it can be. <laughs> great. Uh, yeah, it won't go anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Song. That's yeah. right. Madeline's yeah. here. Hey, 
And, and we have to wrap it up. No, we're uh, still good. Really? We, yes. We uh, started late because of uh, You want me to traffic. take all my clothes and just throw them in yes. the sewer <laughs> and zip it up to be down here by 10 seconds. Right. We have okay. seven minutes left. Well, I have ah, just okay, great. a couple cool. questions left um, that we haven't really covered. Um, so you kind of talk about your daily grind. Um, what's something that you might do that people wouldn't expect you to do um, and that not everyone that's a songwriter does? That's a good question. It's an excellent question. Ooh, though. that's a really good question. Yeah. Wow. We loved your question. Next question. So is it like, <laughs> so music, is it music related, like how I do, like in my process of working or just any, or outside um, of it? What do you think? Just prepping yourself for the songwriting world and the artist world, like, like you, anything. You like your... Read Dickens, or do you honestly you know? for me? I, I'm actually. This is actually really interesting. I I read and watch a lot of I, I read a lot of autobiographies mm-hmm. about all kinds of artists. I actually just finished the uh, scar the scar tissue one by Anthony Kiedis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, incredible one! That. You guys should read it. It's, it's mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. Um, you should read the Song Machine then by John Seabrook. I that's heard that's incredible. Yeah, because all this stuff you're talking about. I need to read that one. You'll see um, how it's changed. Because you mentioned top lining and the songwriter camps, the Rihanna, yeah, and yeah. See how the, all this the stuff you're talking about. taken over and so on. Okay. Yeah, you got to pick up Seabrook's book. Yeah, I yeah, definitely need to, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so you were so saying that say, you read by... by a, so I, I, read a lot, I read a lot of books, um, a, a lot of just... A lot of nonfiction, honestly. I also read a lot of fictional books. Um, I'm a big fan of like space and like mm-hmm. travel, like space travel and stuff. So I read a lot of that stuff. But um, man, you know, I would have to say, I just I watch a lot of documentaries and I listen and I read and I can't tell you how many interviews I've seen for people talking. And that's a big thing for me is is figuring out like what what do they like to talk about? What are their inspirations? What do and how are their demeanor on like what's their demeanor like on stage how is their stage presence i do a lot of that stuff like mm-hmm. i i can't tell you if you looked at my apple tv and you saw my library for movies and tv shows it's all music everything is music or it's some kind of documentary um also listen to a lot of podcasts uh even like before rights i listen to a podcast every day before i go into write. whether it's like joe rogan or it's like ross Golan's new one which also i don't know if you guys have heard this but you should definitely check out this podcast called and the writer is Mm-hmm. Um, Ross Golan just created it. Mm-hmm. He's a songwriter out at Warner Chapel, LA, but he's worked with I, just about every hit songwriter you can think of. And so he interviews them all, where he interviews like Luke Laird, Justin Tranner, um, Robopop, Benny Blanco. And uh, it's super inspiring. You get to know like where they come from, how they mm-hmm. got into the business. But uh, you know, that's, that's kind of been my thing, just listening, listening to a lot of interviews and just, just reading up and, and how they found their inspiration to write certain songs. and. And, uh, so you don't, um, and it's on your thing too. So you don't like you say, oh, <clears throat> we're gonna write for, I don't know, you know, we're writing for somebody today, yep. and um, they tell us he wants a ballad, that's gonna write a ballad, yep. a love song ballad. So you don't do like anything for that particular oh, yeah. prep. Honestly, for me, I like to go into the room with an open mind. Mm-hmm. I, I go into the room completely <clears throat> open-minded. Kind of cold. Yeah, Just honestly. I, I always have like, ideas uh, on my phones. I, I always, I'm always inspired by things. But I rarely actually go into a room and, and I'm... And a lot of times, I, I do this to a lot of people. I'll be like, what are you feeling? What, do you, what have you been listening to? What, what, what's inspiring you right now? Mm-hmm. And whether it's a book or it's a movie or, or a personal thing or a song... That's kind of how I do my songwriting. I like mm-hmm. to ask the question first of how they're feeling, and then I'll write that way. Um, which it's really interesting versus my songwriting for my artist stuff, where whenever I write for my artist stuff, I write what I'm actually feeling and true stories, and, and that's my actual craft to where when I'm songwriting to pitch, I kind of just go into the room mm-hmm. with an open mind. And, and, and I never really like to, to, to gear myself towards one particular artist. I like to just write something just that I feel like is great that day, and then because that's the biggest thing I, I tell them: if you write something good, anybody can sing. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. You can hear past anything, especially if, if if it sounds good and it's a hit. A hit's a hit, and that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. But nice. So, do you want to tell uh, our listeners what you're working on? <coughs> what yeah, they should look out for. Absolutely. So I'm actually getting ready to put an EP out probably within the next few months. Mm. Um, we're also uh, what's the, what's your label? 
Uh, so we're actually now with the label right now, we're uh, we're in the process of uh, doing talks right now. So we'll probably I'd say we're gonna land somewhere within the next probably month or next couple months. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, super excited about that. You're talking to more than one label group at this point. Been just kind of shopping around town uh-huh. and talking to a bunch of different people so far. So it's been really good. Yeah. But uh, but I know they're uh, everybody's super excited about the EP. Um, kind of been playing it around a little bit, playing it out at a couple different shows as well as on the Billy Currington tour. But, uh, but yeah, we'll have some stuff out in the next few months and hopefully have a single out by, probably by the first of next year, whenever the year starts. And uh, we'll be all, out on the road all of next year. So hopefully catch you guys in a, in a town soon. Yeah, you guys will have to come out to a show sometime. We'd yeah. love for you guys to see it. We're, I'm weird because I, I throw my underwear on the stage <laughs> and I get really into it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I hang it on the microphone stand. Yeah, I'll put it right there. <laughs> I do like going. the Steven Tyler thing where he he hangs. I guess it's like the what is that? Uh, he covers his uh, mic stand with it. Is it just yeah. like cloth or something? Yeah. Oh, those like yeah, long like yeah, his scarf. like long scarves scarf or something. Scarves. That's yeah. the word. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah start doing. Well, that. like Stevie Nicks, people used to throw teddy bears to her. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the stage at the end of like a, a, a show would just be littered with all these like teddy bears all over the the place and. Uh, who was oh Tom Jones going back to the uh, yeah. 70s we'll say late 60s yeah. 70s uh, uh, the women loved this guy and um, what would, they would be throwing the bras and they would throw everything I was just, about to, say, I was just about to say that I yeah. can't remember who it was but it's a newer act I can't remember if it was if it was either the weekend or I can't remember who it was but their mic stand had bras all over it. And then I actually saw, there was a band that played at Warp Tour not too long ago. I, I came out and saw him here in Nashville and his mic stand had bras and panties all over them. Right. I was uh-huh. like, well, I can't say, I've, I, I haven't had any of those thrown at me yet, so we're- There's right. still time. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh man, well, I, I appreciate it so much. Thank you guys so much for letting me come in and talk to you. Yeah, well, I really he, appreciate it. He's ending the interview. Good. Oh, what, oh, what is this? Smart, oh no, I was just. Oh no, I was just thanking you guys. We have sixty seconds left. Hey, and I have to pack. Well, <laughs> well I guess. I, did you have a final? Because if not, I have one real quick. Yeah, one. absolutely. One hundred percent. Absolutely. It's important. I got my good ones in. You got all your I good think. ones in, and even some of your bad ones. Yeah. I oh, sure did. no, I'm joking. Not really. All right. For you, um, as an artist, what is the single most important aspect of the music industry that you think an artist manager needs to understand? Because you have had you have John Dennis, so he's been your manager for a couple of years now. Yep. So John's um, been my manager for almost almost four now. Almost okay. Four years. What do you think, um, from an artist's perspective, what do you think is the most important thing that he needs to understand about the music industry? Let a really good manager for you need to understand that nothing happens overnight. Mm-hmm. And you have to take your time with what you're doing. Hone your hone your skills. Patience. Patience, man. That's the biggest thing. I can't I can't tell you. The one of the first few words that John ever said to me was, I think this is awesome. I'm super excited about this, but we need to take our time and have this happen organically. Don't shove your music down people's throats. Don't don't I, I think I've always been the one to say if you force it, usually it doesn't work. You can't force it. It it's it, it's you know it's it's music you have it's what's so cool is that it's all opinionated so somebody has to like it and you have to voluntarily like it essentially mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and if you want I, I've always said it since day one if you want somebody to like your stuff you have to obviously have good content and if you want good content you got to work your skills and songwriting is like a muscle even being an artist your stage presence your talking skills I mean everything it, it's you you have to develop it mm-hmm. it's it's a uh, it's an interesting business, you know. There's there's a lot of stuff that happens, and it's a it's a roller coaster ride. It goes up and down, and I think that's the biggest thing too is having a manager that is always there for you, always watching, and 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 is there to even calm you down when stuff gets stressful. You know, it, obviously mm-hmm. it's a stressful thing for the artist, but if the manager can help take stress off in any way, shape, or form, that's great too. But man, that's that's a big thing is, and that's been our big motto since day one is is organic making sure everything happens organically. And, and and even going into meetings too, this is one really cool thing that John did with me was he let me go into the meetings by myself. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't go in them, He would, and if he did, he barely talked. He, and his biggest thing was, I can get you into the game, but you have to be the one to hit it. He goes, I can get you up at home plate to swing. He goes, but I can't swing the bat for you. Yeah. He goes, you have to be the one to hit it. Like a real manager. And that's the <laughs> yeah, thing is, yeah. is you, you not, and it's not holding somebody's hand through it. Mm-hmm. It's it's all it's teaching them. It's it's teaching them what are the right things to do, what the right things 
you know, what what's not right to do, obviously, and and, and growing with that artist because it's a relationship with them. And uh, but yeah, man, I, I think that's the biggest thing is 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 just teaching them that taking their time is the most important thing I can say, especially in this town because in L.A. and in New York and, and other and other aspects of the music industry too, and, and in different places sometimes you can have one song that goes viral and it blows up and the next thing you know you have Republic Records calling you mm -hmm. you know you've had X amount of streams you've had X amount of views and we'd love to give you a deal right mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting how that happens where here in Nashville everybody tells you pay your dues you have to you got to pay your dues and you got to take your mm -hmm. time and I think that goes to, to having a great manager that mm -hmm. that's telling you the same thing that's and, and is also you know Keeping it moving along and constantly working behind the scenes while you're also working too—that's a big thing. And mm -hmm. and it's even just like with a label, you know, you haven't made it once you've signed. It's that's just another gateway, and they're there to help yeah. and work with you. But you have to keep you have to keep doing it. I like it. I like it very much. We got to end it though. All right. Well, we I appreciate you. Guys. Yeah, thank, thank you so, so much. No, thank you so so much. Sorry, I I told her I talk fast. I apologize too for that. I, I tend to talk a little fast, but um. We don't talk fast at all, do we? <laughs> We've never talked fast. Not him. No, no. Well, Listen. so at this you, point, we want to. Can we just end it now? That we yeah, can. Yeah, we're gonna spend five hours just saying thank you. Um, Stop. Get, get away from the national all right. thing. Oh, we're, it's, we're, it's, from, hey, we're from Jersey. Go to hell. It's a southern thing. It's a southern thing. I'm from <laughs> Alabama, so I do it. There we go. So we want to thank Kaylin Green for being here. Big yes. thanks to yes. Kaylin Green for being here. Very interesting. Big thanks to Madeline Dean for being very yes. patient with, and with getting into the questions, but making sure that you're here. So thank you very much. Very patient with you. Yes. And we want to thank Dr. Stavon Marconi. Yes, and of course my co-host who hogged the entire... 90 minutes. You, well, especially our, our <laughs> argument, which I'm going to find out about that. 120 minutes. That's right. It's a four-hour interview. And <laughs> in, in our splits of the interview, I always take more yeah. than my uh, 25, 50%. Like we were talking long. about splits because at the end of this, there's actually a split on this interview. That's, that's right, the podcast. There's royalties. 100% right. of nothing is how much. And we don't right. say... We don't say hello. Instead, at the end of every interview, you know, and you can say this with you, you're going to be able to catch on right away at the end of every interview. We say, adios! Uh, say that, harmonize with me. Say adios! Adios! I can't remember when You looked at me and cried Said something broke inside of My best friend Whatever come my way You know I'm yours until the end
Don't let me down Don't let me down Don't let me down